Good morning. Today is Monday, December 6th, 2021. Today is the eighth day of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Last night and this morning in shul, we had the spectacular experience of seeing the menorah lit with all eight lights. What a beautiful sight. In our homes, there were often multiple menorahs all lit with eight lights. And in public, every menorah that you would see anywhere had all eight lights lit. It's the only one night a year that it happens, the eighth night of Hanukkah. I would imagine, if I were to ask you, I would imagine there is no one who saw a Hanukkah menorah last night with only one light. Because it is virtually universal to light an additional light each night of Hanukkah with eight lights on the eighth night. It's obvious. Virtually universal. Unless, of course, there is some extraordinary circumstance. I mentioned an example of that yesterday, but under normal circumstances, it's virtually universal. And it is wonderful seeing all those lights. But it is actually somewhat curious because Jewish law only requires one light. And the message of all eight lights lit on the menorah last night is a fitting message to absorb and to internalize in order to take the spirit of Hanukkah with us forward after the holiday ends later this afternoon. A few years ago, Rabbi Ephraim Mervis visited Hebrew Academy as part of a visit to Montreal. Rabbi Mervis is currently the chief rabbi of Great Britain, the position that Rabbi Jonathan Sachs formerly held. And at Hebrew Academy, there was time for students to ask some questions. And a student asked the following question. Rabbi Mervis, living in England, he lives in London, but living as part of Great Britain with a monarch, Queen Elizabeth, it's rather unusual in today's world. There are only a few countries that still have a monarch, a king or a queen. And I realize in Canada, it's a little bit of a complicated subject. And I realize in Quebec, it's even more touchy subject. And I have to tell you, I'm an American and I do have a slightly different uh, perspective on this subject, but, but it's something unusual. But the question that this student asked was, living with a monarch, Rabbi Mervis, Queen Elizabeth, does it give you any different perspective on how you relate to God as a monarch. We refer to God as Melech, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. God is the sovereign, the king, 
of the world, of the universe. Living with a human sovereign, does it give any insight into how you relate to God as a sovereign? I think it's a very interesting question. And Rabbi Mervis gave the answer that he gave. Very good answer. But I'd like to share something different. And again, uh, as a complete outsider, um, an American, living in Canada, living in Quebec. But I once saw Queen Elizabeth. Our family took a trip many years ago. And our trip to London coincided with the opening of Parliament. And the practice is there was a parade on that day from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Abbey. And the Queen would parade from the palace to the Abbey to open Parliament. And it was an annual event. And we were there. My family, especially my children, <clears throat> remember this event very, very clearly because I inadvertently exposed the film in my camera. So we don't have any photos of the Queen, although I had taken a rather magnificent, pretty close-up photo of the Queen in her carriage. I had it, but I lost it, and uh, my family, especially my children, enjoy reminding me of how I ruined the photos on that trip. Okay. But I also remember something else about that day, something I've never forgotten, something that made a very deep impression on me. So... There was a crowd along the route. This is a big deal in London. And the whole route was, was crowded on both sides of the street. And the street was lined with soldiers standing at attention. British soldiers standing at attention, lining the street from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Abbey. Very impressive, regal sight. Now, we were there early to get a good spot so that I could get a good photo of the queen, which I did get, even if I can't share it, show it to you. And um, so we were there early and then also early before it was supposed to start, these guards, these soldiers in their dress uniforms, they were also getting into position and the guards were standing approximately four feet apart from each other. So they were lining both sides of the street and approximately a guard every, uh, I'm guessing, about four feet. And just before the queen was about to begin this parade, an officer came by to measure exactly the distance between one soldier and the next. And each soldier was standing at attention and this officer comes by to measure 
and to ensure that each soldier was the exact distance one from the other, each soldier, it reminded me a little bit of, sometimes you might see this, a chazan on Yom Kippur, if he bows down and then has to stand up with his feet together, he has to hop to get up. So the soldiers were standing at attention and they had to like hop either to the left or the right a couple of inches to get into position. It was quite uh, interesting to see them uh, um, at attention, slightly moving to be in this exact precise alignment. It was impressive. And, you know, it showed, you know, the queen is coming and, and this is important and, and there's something very significant about a monarch and you have to look right and you have to stand right and it's got to be right. But here's the detail that made the deepest impression on me. This officer who came by to measure the soldier's distance one from the other, this officer had a tool. The tool looked like a gigantic oversized compass, the drawing tool. There were two long poles joined at the top with a hinge and the poles were spread out so that the ends of the poles were the exact distance that was supposed to be between the right shoe of this soldier and the left shoe of that soldier. And the officer would place this, this tool uh, in order to measure, to make sure that the distance between soldiers was exact. Okay, that makes sense. But what I, what I remember is how beautiful this tool was. It was gorgeous. It was dark, polished wooden poles with gleaming brass hinge and a brass foot at the end. It was just a beautiful tool. And that's my image of what it means to serve a monarch. And for us, to serve God. Every detail should be beautiful. No effort is too much. Nothing is insignificant if it's done to honor the monarch. And that message is the message that comes from Hanukkah. How many lights did everybody light last night? Eight lights. Eighth night. Well, that's not actually what Jewish law requires. The Talmud explains that there is a din, the law, the rule, that there should be one light lit per home. That's it. Each night, one light per home. Then the Talmud says, there are some individual Jews who are mahadrin. They are more scrupulous than is required by the law. 
And in those homes of the more scrupulous Jews, each person in the family will light one light each night of Hanukkah. And then, says the Talmud, there is mahadrin minamahadrin. There is the people who are scrupulous, even more scrupulous than the scrupulous people, the really, really scrupulous people. And they will light each person in the household, adding an additional light every night of Hanukkah until you get to the eighth night where there are eight lights. And not only eight lights, but if there are several people in the family, each one will have a menorah of eight lights last night. That's what we saw last night. But what's so curious about this is that this is a general feature in Jewish law, many, many areas of Jewish law, where there is a din, there is the law. This is what the law requires. Then there are some individuals that are machmir or mahader. They are stringent or more scrupulous than the law requires. Okay, some people are uh, more careful about certain mitzvahs. Some people do it not to the minimum level, to the maximum level. All right. Different people will choose different actions that are more meaningful to them. In this particular area, I don't just do the minimum. I do more than the minimum. In this area, the minimum is fine. Every Jew has the, the, the right to choose between a range of different practices. Take the mitzvah of tzedakah, giving tzedakah, giving charity. So how much, should, how much money should a person give to tzedakah? Well, there's a general guideline, but some people give a little bit less. Some people give the recommended amount. Some people give a little bit more. Some people are more maximal in other mitzvahs, but not in tzedakah. Every person is different because human nature is different. What is unique to Hanukkah, and I'm not familiar with any other area of Jewish law where this applies, is that it has become the norm, virtually universal, for all Jews to observe this maximalist standard. I've never seen a Jew on the eighth night of Hanukkah lighting a menorah with one light. Maybe somewhere there is. And again, in an extraordinary circumstance, maybe. But under normal circumstances, and, and thank God, it's such a wonderful thing. So many Jews participate in Hanukkah. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But they don't only participate, they're participating the maximal amount. Unique. It's unique to Hanukkah. Because remember that the word Hanukkah comes from the word that means dedication. And also the word that means education. because we are dedicating ourselves to God's service. We are educating ourselves and our children and our grandchildren in how to serve God. That's what Hanukkah is about. And we do this in gratitude 
for what our Melech, our sovereign, our king, God, did for us, the miracle of Hanukkah. And so we respond, not with the minimal fulfillment, but with the best effort, with the highest level, that has become the norm. Chinuch, education, and rededication is part of Hanukkah in order to inspire us to adopt this attitude more generally to mitzvahs throughout the year. Having done this on Hanukkah, not to the minimal level, not to the medium level, but to the maximum level, should orient us to thinking about we're doing a mitzvah, we're doing something for God in gratitude to something amazing that God has done for us. What does it mean to serve a melech, to serve a sovereign? No effort is too great. No action is insignificant when it's done to serve God. This is a lesson that we need to apply as we go forward after Hanukkah is over to all the mitzvahs that we do. We need to try to keep in our mind's eye the visual image of last night's Hanukkah menorah and remember why all those lights were lit and to let that attitude stay with us going forward. Not just the minimum when it comes to serving God. The minimum is okay. But let's try not just for the minimum, but higher than the minimum. Let's try to do the best for our sovereign, for God. My friends, I want to wish you a great day, a wonderful end to this fantastic holiday of Hanukkah. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.